How you guys doing? Oh, we're doing better than that. I felt the Spirit of the Lord in this house. And any, anywhere the Spirit of the Lord is, what is there? There's liberty, right? So how are we doing this morning? Woo, that's right. You're, you're doing great whether you realize it or not. And so <laughs> you're doing great. And so uh, you have to remind yourself of that sometimes. Sometimes you get disillusioned by what's going on in your life and you forget about the good things, right? You forget about the fact of where you are and who you are and why you are. And so, um, <clears throat> so blessed to be back with you again today. And I uh, feel again for Pastor Jason. Um, we are in a, a series called, Can I Have Your Attention, Please? Or May I Have Your Attention, Please? And so, uh, you know, attention is one of those, it's the hardest thing to, to keep, right? If you have children, you know what I'm talking about? Like, hey, hey, no, 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 I'm talking to you. Listen, listen to me. Look at me, right? You ever have that moment, that conversation with your child? Yeah, never. <laughs> you ever have that moment or conversation with your spouse? Yeah, so actually my wife has that conversation. She's like, don't walk away from me when I'm talking to you. I'm like, I'm listening. I don't care. Look at me. And so, uh, you know, may I have your attention, please? This, you know, attention is, is such a precious thing that, that uh, we have to give or, or not to give. And so one way or the other. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you today. I'm going to uh, go through a couple of things that I feel like not, not I feel like, but I know actually. I know after uh, 45 years of drawing breath and living, uh, and after um, you know living for God or attempting to live for God, that's what we're all attempting to do, right? We're we're striving for that. We never get it perfect, but for the the striving for perfection, as Vince Lombardi said, in the in the striving for perfection, we'll find something great. And so, um, <clears throat> you know, striving to live for Him for the last uh, 29 of those years and so uh and been able to uh, be blessed to partake in ministry for the last i guess uh 27 of those years i've learned a few things i definitely don't have everything down but i've learned a few things about living for god and seeing others uh, attempt to live for god as well as as i attempt to live for god and you know i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about three categories that we tend to fall into um and how that gets the, the view of God or not, and how it gets the view of others or not. And I'm going to call this sermon, this, this talk today, Signs. If you want to put this, sometimes people uh, mark down something in their notes and, and say, okay, this is what it relates to. Signs, stories, or substance. Signs, stories, or substance. And so I'm going to pray over us real quick that we just receive his word and that we, as I said a few weeks ago when I was here, that we actually be appliers or doers of the word of God, not just hearers. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word, and thanks for this opportunity. Thank you for the this powerful worship session we had this morning. We felt your presence, and we still feel your presence in this house. And I pray, God, that you would uh, just work on us. Help us to open our hearts and our lives to receive the, the seed of your word, to grow into fruition in our life, to, to do your will and, and have your way. Uh, we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Everyone said, Amen. All right. So, signs, stories, or substance. Anybody like something of substance? Yeah? Yes, of course you do. You know, uh, my, my uh, father-in-law, um, he had Krispy Kreme donuts for the first time. Anybody? I used to love Krispy Kreme donuts. And, and I would probably still like them every once in a while, but I just don't... Uh, I don't allow myself that. So I've had to put some parameters in my life. <laughs> and so that's no fun, is it? Uh, but uh, well, I have. But 
Years ago, I've been married uh, 20, almost 20, uh, 24 plus years. Uh, and years ago, when my father-in-law first, he's from California, first visited the South, and uh, we visited Krispy Kreme Donuts, I said, man, you've got to get you some of these. And uh, he took a bite or two of it, and I could just see on his face that, that he didn't like it too much. And I'm like, what is wrong? What kind of family am I marrying into? What is going on here? My God. And you know what he said? He says, there's not much substance there. And I said, okay. And he said, I, I prefer a donut with substance. And so, you know, now as far as donuts are concerned, I don't prefer a donut with substance. Uh, but I, I understood what he meant. There was, it was a little bit of hollowness. There was a little bit of emptiness there. And so I want to talk to us today about why we should live a life of substance. I want to talk, though, again, about a few different things. And, and uh, if we'll go right now to Luke chapter 8, verses 9 through 14, I'm going to start through here. Uh, and talk, talk about how we live. Sometimes we live, Christians, I, I've seen us fall into one of these three categories, Christians that live a life full of, of signs, you know, what, what, who we are. We hold up our sign of this is who we are, right? And so uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 9 through 14 said, His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He replied, You are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God, but... I use parables to teach the others so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they look, they won't be able to see. When they hear, they won't be able to understand. What is the meaning of the parable? The seed is God's word. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those that hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. The seeds of the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while and then fall away when they face temptation. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. Amen. So maturity is the substance. I'm, I'm, I'm getting old here. I'm trying to see this back here. So thank you for bearing with me. I'm having to stretch back some things sometimes. But, uh, you know, really what he's talking about there is the, the fact of how someone lives. They don't have deep roots or not. And, and sometimes we find ourselves living a life that I don't believe it's fake. Okay, I, I don't think that. I don't think there, there are a lot of folks who you see go to church and they may have a fish on their bumper. They... Uh, they may, you know, fly the flag of Christianity. You know, if you ask them, you know, who are you? What do you do? What do you believe? I'm a Christian. You know, I, I okay, so what church you go to? Well, you know, uh, I go to church Easter and Sunday and uh, Easter Sunday and, and I, I go, at, you know, Christmas Sunday. Those are two times. That, but they identify as a Christian, right? But that is, is a life that sometimes is, is shallow. And I don't believe it's fake. I, I, I know that I've known people and I still know people that are following that category and they believe in Christ. They believe, you know, from a sincere heart, they believe in the, in the most part. But it's what we want to believe about ourselves and definitely what we want others to see us as. 
this is who I am. This is the proclamation, right? The, the fish on the, on the bumper, the, the, the saying, well, I'm a Christian. But when you look at the actual verbiage of the word, Christian is a, a follower of Christ, someone who is trying or emulating Christ and, and, and working at that. And so, you know, a lot of times, though, I, I found myself falling in the category of saying that I'm Christian, but not working on being Christ-like. And it's easy to do that, right? Just show up uh, on a Sunday every once in a while or, or even sometimes even every Sunday and, and not live a life that is leaning unto Him. I'm not talking about perfection because no one's perfect. But there's no depth. We're living a life that's proclaimed to others, look at me, can I have your attention please? This is who I am. But when they look deep enough, they really don't see Christ there. They don't, they don't really have something that's going to change their lives. And so we obviously have those others that fall into the second category of stories. You know, I can look back and talk about stories in my life. <clears throat> stories to my, of my own personal life, my own personal story. Or the story of my family. My great-grandmother and my great-aunt planted a church in rural Mississippi. And uh, that church is still there today. It was in 1947. They planted that church and it grew and it's impacted so many lives. And I can lean back and talk about what someone else has done and have a story. And they're like, well, why are you a Christian? I'm a Christian because of my great-grandmother, or my grandmother, excuse me, who uh, you know, started a church in rural Mississippi and it impacted my dad's life. Then in turn, it impacted my life. And I, I grew up in a home that told me about Christ. And I, I live via the stories of others. The story of others that we cling on to and we, we, we talk about having a life really of good works, right? Of good works. We, we, we tell a story about what we do, not by necessarily who 100% we are. The Bible says that we should do good works. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think there's a lot of folks who, uh, you know, the good works is what they identify themselves by. You know, they, they, they try to cover up maybe another story of their life by their good works. They try to outlive the wrong that they've done, outdo the wrong that they've done. Can I tell you, you can never outdo the wrong that you've done. You need the blood of Jesus Christ for that. That's why when we take communion, I'm reminded every time I take communion of the blood of Jesus that makes all the difference. I can never be good enough to overcome who I was necessarily, but I can lean into someone who is perfect, who is loving, who is gracious, who is all of that. And that can become my identity. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says this. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. So we should do good things. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying, you know, hey, Pastor Mitch said don't do good things, right? Just, just live, right? Just believe. No, 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 no. Do good things. Be a good person. You know, give, love, care, help. All those things. However, this is to be a byproduct, not the focal point. It's to be a byproduct of who we are centrally, who the core of us is around. It's around Jesus. And so, therefore, we do good things. We see this throughout our life. People who strive to do good. Man, they, 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 they commit, and you should commit, right? You should help. You should give. But that's the focal point of who they are as a Christian. 
is because they can check that box off and say, man, I am outdoing who I was. You can never outdo that. It's to be a byproduct, not the focal point. But trying to live up to a parent's or a grandparent's life and faith by our good works is, is not who we're meant to be. The Bible says that if you show me your, your faith by your works, I'll, I'll show you my faith by my works. You show me your faith by your works. He's talking about someone who's saying, hey, you know, my good works is who identifies me. That's what gets me to Christ. That is what gets me to where I need to be. But it's not. It's the blood of Jesus. It's grace. It's Calvary. That's what we can extend to others. Because if others just see good works, a lot of times they cannot aspire to be that. But if we can show them, listen, I have good works by my faith. Not I have faith because of my good works. But I have faith. I have substance because of my faith. We try to create a story of good works to even the balances and overcome our past sometimes. It's impossible. And it negates the power of the cross. It negates the power of the cross. Because there's someone you might meet that says, listen, I've got so much worse things in my life than you had. And they may not, but they may feel that way. Right? And so the story... And again, there's nothing wrong with people who are trying to live for God, but sometimes we try to live for, uh, for God just through a story instead of through faith. We're trying to say, hey, God, look at me. Look what I'm doing. I'm, I'm helping your kingdom. Look at, look at the good I've done. The other fallacy of this is there's people who feel like that they are exempt of certain things because of all the good they've done. Right? And that's a pitfall that we cannot fall into if we're to be Christians, not just go to church, but to be Christians, to make an actual difference in life. A life statement to God and others saying, look at what I have done. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 through 9 says this. It's a previous, the preceding verse to uh, Ephesians 2 and 10, which I just wrote, that God has created as a masterpiece to do good things. But God saved you by his grace, it says here. When, when you believe, that's all you had to do was believe. That's literally all you had to do was believe. And that belief brought you on a journey and started a journey in your life. And it got God's attention. It got God's attention. And you can't take credit for this, it says. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. You can't work your way to salvation, but salvation will bring you to good works. You can't work your way to God. God, matter of fact, God's attention doesn't go necessarily to those who are, are just full of themselves. There's a, there's, a, there's a verse in the Bible that talks about the uh, Pharisee who, who prays, right? And he goes in with a tax collector. You know what I'm talking about? You guys remember that verse? And, and, and he he, he starts praying and he starts talking about how bad the person beside him is. And the, the, the initial verse we read today really just proclaims that right there. The guy, he, he had the stony ground, the hard heart that obviously the word of God, the spirit of God had not penetrated him. He had a sign. He had a huge flag up that said, hey, look at me. This is who I am. Meanwhile, the poor publican over here, he, man, he, he was just like, just God, this, I, I am not much. And he had the fallow ground the Bible talked about. 
He was what God was looking for. Matter of fact, the Bible says this in Matthew chapter 5. And Dylan, I didn't give these verses to you earlier, so I'm just going to read through this real quick. This is what gets God's attention. This is what God gets God's attention. This is the, ser the, the, the sermon of the Beatitudes. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are, no more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. Wow. Wow. You're blessed when, when, when that's where you're at. It says also you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. When you give up on you trying to do it. And you start pointing towards God. That's what gets God's attention. That's what starts to create a life of substance. I'm not saying that we should hope for that. Nobody hopes for bad times or bad things, right? No one gets up and like, whoo, I hope it's a bad day, right? No, no one does that. But we, it's inevitable that things will happen. Just as you said a moment ago, bad things will happen. Problems will come. Issues will arise. And the Bible says you're blessed at that point in time because God can come in and help you at that point in time. You're closer to God sometimes in your times of misery and, and problems than other times. Can anybody, you know what I'm talking about? Anybody attest that? Right. You can remember sometimes when everything seemed to be falling apart. But man, you could tap into the Spirit of God just like that. Why? Because you had let go of all the signs and all the stories. And you had come to a place where you said, I just want him substance. I just want him. He is the substance. He is the tangible thing in my life. He is the, the solid. He is the everything. It goes on in Matthew chapter 5. says, you're blessed when you worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink. This is the message I'm reading from here. You're blessed when you care. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete and fight. Cooperate. Whoo. That's such a hard word. Right? It is. It is. Listen. You've been married or together at any point in time or have a friendship for any length of time. Cooperate is not easy. It is not easy. That means that we're going to cooperate, right? We're going to operate together, right? We're going to we're going to put our hands together. And I know you may think something different, and I may think something different, but we're going to walk together. But that's what being a Christian is about. That's part of it, anyway. It's part of the substance of being a Christian. Is, is letting go of what you think to get a hold of what God thinks. And being the church, that's what it's all about. Is because you may think one thing and I may think another thing. And he or she may think another thing. But if we all get our hand together and say we can agree on God. And we're going to cooperate together for the kingdom of God. We're going to get the substance in our life of God's, uh, the faith in God that we need. We can make a difference in the world. We can say, hey, can I have your attention please? And point the attention towards God in the right direction. Substance, this third category, is what we need to fall into. And it's the, the hardest, probably. The word substance itself, it uh, has a couple definitions. One definition says, a particular kind of matter with uniform properties. We could apply that, right, to the church. There's some uniform properties that, that have to happen for us to cooperate together. But I like the second definition, the real physical matter of which a person or thing consists and which has a tangible, solid 
presence. The real physical matter of which a person or thing consists. A person consists. What do you consist of? What do you consist of? Hopefully Jesus, yes. What do you consist of every day? What do you consist of when your world's falling apart? What do you consist of when things come against you that, man, you, you really don't have an answer for? What do you consist of when, when there's way more coming against you than what you have on your side? When, you know, there's more month at the end of the money, right? Than there's money at the end of the month. What do you consist of when the doctor's report is different than what you had hoped for? What do you consist of when the relationships in your life are not going right despite your best efforts? Gideon's a figure in the Bible that displays a progression of faith and substance that, that we need in our walk with God. Gideon's story is a proclamation to God of our dependence on Him and on what gets His attention. We can see that in the story of Gideon. Gideon uh, is... is is shown here in Judges chapter 6, verses 12 through 16. I'll read quickly here. The angel of the Lord. Let me, let me give you a little preface here. Gideon, the, the Israelites, they were being attacked by the Midianites and the Amalekites. These larger people who were just, man, you know, uh, the history, if you read the history on that, they're thought to possibly have been some, some uh, 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 connection to uh, Vikings, actually, possibly, who came across in, in earlier times, and they're just big people, bigger than the people in the area. If you read the history of, of the Midianites and the Amalekites, they're just big folks. And, and they're attacking them. They're taking their grain. They're taking their food. They're taking their hope. They're almost like prisoners, if you will. And here we find Gideon. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir? Gideon replied like, what? Who are you talking to? You got the wrong house, man. If the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? Like, what do you, you I, I don't even think you're at the wrong, you're at the wrong, like, neighborhood. This is, you're, you're not in the right place. Gideon has a reflection of himself that is not what God sees. Sometimes we are, are in a place where we could be blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit, right? And we're poor in spirit. But unless we allow God to be that reflection, we'll never see what He sees in us. And we won't be at the blessed part. We'll just be at the poor in spirit part. Blessed are they that mourn. They'll be confident. But we'll just stay in the mourn part. We'll never get the comfort. Unless we actually see what God sees in us. And have the substance of faith. He goes on and he says, you know, why is it happening? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? All these stories. Gideon had, a, had stories. He's obviously having signs here. Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt and now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites? Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. The strength you have. I am sending you. But Lord Gideon replied, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. And I am the least in my entire family. Like you literally came to the wrongest of doors. 
Not just the wrong door. I mean, it's, you know. Then the Lord said to him, I will be with you. And you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. And Gideon's thinking, is even in one man? I don't even know if I could do that. But what God's speaking to is his faith. The Bible says that every man is given a measure of faith. Measure of faith. We obviously see Gideon at a time of his life that, life that we could probably identify to some degree. We've been there when everything fell apart and you're like, man, God, what's going on? You, I see you blessing their life and their life. And, and just as David said in his, his, his ramblings and his, his, his word, he's like, I see the wicked and they prosper. And man, I almost fell because of that. When I see everything else going around me, sometimes you got to look on the inside. I'll read it in a minute, but the Bible tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for. He said, go, go with the power you already have. I've already given you the measure of faith, Gideon. It's, that's the substance. Now, is it misplaced or is it placed right? That's, that's up to you. If Gideon had just sat there and kept threshing wheat, would have never had the story of Gideon and they would have not had the, the, the relief at that point that they got and the blessing that they got. If you keep looking at what's outside of you instead of what's inside of you, you're, you'll never find the relief, the substance that gets God's attention and keeps God's attention and also gets the attention of others because, man, is it something when you see somebody who is struggling yet they're still worshiping? Who is struggling yet they still have a cheerful, cheerful uh, heart about them. The Bible says that in, in everything give thanks. Not for everything, but in everything give thanks. In every, because it says, it goes on and says, for this is the will of God. In everything. That's the substance. That's the faith. That's the seed of faith that if you let it grow, it becomes substantive. And it touches the lives of others. And it says, hey, can I have your attention, please? Without saying, hey, can I have your attention, please? There is something that arrests the attention of others on you when you decide, I'm going to walk with God no matter what comes or goes. I'm going to live my live a life of praise no matter where I'm at, in the valley or on the mountaintop, in the prison or outside of the prison, in good health or in sickness, in poverty or in riches. When everything's good in my relationship and when everything's falling apart, I'm going to have joy in all things. Judges. Chapter 6, verse 25, we'll continue here. But we have to allow him to change our perception of ourself. Gideon did that. In Judges chapter 6, verse 25, we see the actions that come after that. That night, the Lord said to Gideon, I don't have time to go through all of it, so you can go through all of it on your own time. Gideon, uh, Judges 6 through 8, read the whole story. I encourage you to do that and let it impact your life beyond today. That night, the Lord said to Gideon, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that is seven years old. Pull down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Ashtaroth pole that stands beside it. Then build an altar to the Lord your God here on this hilltop sanctuary, laying the stones carefully. Sacrifice the bull as a burnt offering on the altar using as fuel the wood of the Ashtaroth pole that you cut down. Man, that's gangster right there. <laughs> like, whoo. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to use it for fuel. 
So Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord had commanded, but he did it at night because he was afraid of the other members of his father's household and the people of the town. But he did it in faith. He did it in faith. He did it in faith. He cuts it down. Sometimes, not sometimes, but all the time, if you're going to get the attention of God, if you're going to allow God to work through you, you've got to tear down the altars to other gods in your life. What do you, what do you mean? I don't have an altar. Yes, we do. We all do. Yeah. What, what is it that arrests your attention the most? Is it finances? Is it relationships? Is it whatever it is? That, if it's got your attention over God having your attention, that, that's what you're worshiping. And I've had to fight that. There's things that try to get my attention over God, and I've got to put it down. The Bible says this, to take captivity every thought that rises up or elevates itself against the knowledge of God. Take, take captivity. Why? Because if we don't take those things captivity, they start arresting our time and our energies and our effort, and we get that instead of God. What's the substance in your life? We have to tear down those altars. Judges chapter 7, verse 19 through 22, we see the actual fruition of his faith. And that's what it is. You've got to know that. That's faith. It's faith because the next day, everybody got up and got mad and said, bring the guy out here who did this. We're going to kill him. And he knew that was going to happen. That was going to go down. People don't like change. People don't like change. They don't like it when you disturb something. But sometimes you have to disturb some things to follow God, right? Sometimes you've got to draw a line and say, hey, we're going to follow God. We're going to do this. We're not going to do this. And that's the substance that gets God's attention. And it does get other people's attention, but it's their attention in the right when it points their attention to God. And they say, man, the only person they, well, they can be making it through this has got to be God. There's something different. You know, they took note when they had the disciples and said, man, they've been with Jesus, Right? How'd they know that? Well, they had the actions of Jesus. They talked like him a little bit. They walked like him a little bit. They acted like him a little bit, right? Judges chapter 7, uh, seven verses 19 through 22. Let's talk. Let's read through that real quick. And it was just after midnight, after the changing of the guard, when Gideon and the hundred men with him, there's 300 total if you remember that story, God whittled it down. And the hundred men with him searched the edge of the Midianite camp. Suddenly they blew the ram's horn and break their clay jars. Then all three groups blew their horns and broke their jars. They held the blazing torches in their left hand and the horns in the right hand. And they all shouted a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched as all the Midianites rushed around in panic, shouting as they ran to escape. Then the 300 Israelites blew their ram's horns and the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other with their swords. What were they doing? This was some bold faith. This was substance. Not just Gideon, but the 300 guys, they're like, I don't know about this. Like, I'm not sure. Like, I have sharpened my sword and he told me to leave it back and just, hey, I, I can't even blow the horn correctly, really. I mean, you know. It's, you know, it's a bad sounding horn blow probably some of them they weren't good horn blowers necessarily you know he didn't he didn't he didn't get them like well who can blow the best horn around here no like how can they drink water that was the the test right uh, I, they could have been just amazing a couple of them really good horn blows the other ones probably weren't 
You're talking about faith, but it was Gideon's faith. The substance of Gideon's life that said, hey, can I have your attention, please? And they're like, if Gideon believes this, little Gideon, like Gideon, like dude is frail. Like if he believes this, maybe there is something to it. Maybe there is something to it. And they blew their trumpets and they broke their clay coverings over their lamps and the enemy scattered and God did what only God could do. There's some things in your life that only God can handle. But it takes our praise, it takes our dependence, it takes our faith. Acting on faith is not easy, but it's necessary. This is the life of substance that gets God's attention and draws the attention of others to Him. When we do this, our volume and display of faith, a volume of our praise and our display of faith, not only inspires the faith of others right now, but also of those to come. We're still inspired today by what Gideon did thousands of years ago. I'm still inspired by my grandmother's faith that she stepped out to plant a church in the middle of a cotton field in Mississippi in 1947 and my great aunt not they, they took an old dilapidated house and they tore everything out and said we're going to start having worship here and that's what they did and out of just having worship in this house there was a church that started Hebrews chapter 11 verses 1 and 2 says this now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith. Of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophecies. Man, Gideon gets lumped in with David. Why? Because he chose to live a life of substance. 